You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all. Jewelry that makes you feel like the gem. Sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay authenticity guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unk, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unk podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unk, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 3 of The Dean Lounge. I'm thinking like Amex Lounge, Dean Lounge. Yeah, the Centurion Lounge, the Chase Lounge. Delta Lounge. The Delta Lounge. How many lounges have you been to? Uh, Just hanging out in the Dean Lounge mostly. (laughs) Uh, As you've noticed by the the angelic voice on the other side of this room, uh, Kaylin has returned from the DMV and she is now gracing us with her presence on this episode of the Dean Lounge. I was lamenting on the last episode just before you returned about that name and about how I need to find a new name for this episode, for this podcast. You don't like Dean Lounge? I don't. I hate it. I hate it so much. And I know I'm the one that thought of it. So I I feel comfortable saying that I absolutely hate it. I was going to bed last night and I was trying to think of things that I could change it to by any Dean's necessary. That's not really like travel-y. Yeah. It's like you're getting to any destination. A Dean's to an end. How is that travel? Exactly. It's not. (laughs) But I'm trying to imagine like a cool play on words that also is travely. The Dean Lounge is okay. I'll, I'll give it like a five, six out of ten, maybe like a five and a half out of nine. No, we don't do half numbers here. Anyways, so that's where we're at with the Dean Lounge. Um, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, go ahead and listen to that because that was kind of the precursor into this one. This episode, we're going to be talking about that, that same trip that I was on, but just a different destination. And I feel like they're they both kind of warrant separate episodes because they're both pretty big aspects of that whole trip as a whole. This week on the Dean Lounge, we're taking a trip south of the border. And then we're taking a trip south of that border. Oh, wow. We're going to Peru. Ooh. And just like in Peru, we're going to be drinking some Malbec. I was wondering why you bought that. (laughs) Yeah, well, I got this for us to drink for the Argentina episode, but you weren't here obviously. And so I saved it for this. I actually, I don't know what Peruvians drink. 
I'm going to let the microphone hear this. A little ASMR. There you go. Thank you so much. Wow, look at the light on the mountains behind you, by the way. The Dean Lounge has some great views. Great views, free drinks. What could you... What could Just you, like the Amex Lounge. That's right. What could you dislike about that? Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to Peru. Drinking Argentinian wine. Well, I don't know if... I mean, Malbec might also be Peruvian, although this was made in Mendoza, Argentina, so it would have been more perfect for the other episodes. I'm so sorry. I had to go to the DMV. But I'm not going to drink a... a glass of Malbec by myself, especially where I recorded that 10 in the morning. So this is great. Yeah. So we're, we're keeping it on the same continent at least. But yeah. So as I mentioned in the last episode, after the W Trek in Patagonia, I flew up to Cusco, Peru, and I, I haven't really done much prep for this, so I can't give you any specifics, but it was early December. I know that in 2018. And originally what I wanted to do is just visit Machu Picchu. Have you heard me talk about this at all? I want to know because it's nice to know if you're asking questions genuinely or if you're asking questions just to kind of keep the conversation going. Like a certain podcast where yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> where the co-host just so you, asks silly ha- questions. Have you heard me talk much about Peru? No. Okay. No, I haven't. I mean, I know you said it changed your life. That was the W Trek that changed my life. But this is a, an extension of that same trip. So this one had less of an impact on the life-changing aspect, but it was still an amazing trip. Yeah, I haven't heard you say much about it. Great. Let's keep that energy going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I flew from Puerto Natales back to Santiago. And then from Santiago, I took a flight from there to Cusco, which is where I would imagine 95% of people that visit Machu Picchu fly into because it's still kind of a, a, a bit far. It's got, I can't remember, it was like an hour or so on a train and then like a 30 or 45 minute cab. But so what I was doing when I was planning this trip was I was talking to my good friend, Ben Higgins, who had been to Peru randomly. I didn't even know this. And he said that he had hiked the Inca Trail many, many years ago. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to Machu Picchu. It's been on my bucket list. Like it's on everyone's bucket list. Obviously it's a modern marvel. It's not a modern marvel. What would that be? A, A historical marvel? Sure. We'll call it that. And I was like, I'm going there. I've always wanted to see it. You know, I've heard incredible things and it's something I've only seen in photographs. So I would love to see it with my own eyes. And when I was telling him that he was like, well, have you ever considered doing the Inca trail? And at the time I was woefully uninformed. And I said, I've never even heard of this Inca trail before. I'm surprised by that. Well, this is a long time ago. This is five years and two months ago. So right before we started dating 62 years, 62 months ago. Was it right before? It wasn't right before, but it was probably about six months before, seven months before. That's tracks because we're coming up on five years. Okay. <laughs> okay. And, and so he was like, I did this thing called the Inca Trail. It's a, uh, I'm going to get this wrong, kind of like I did in the last episode. It, it's a four day hike um, starting in Peru, obviously, and ending at the, the at ending at Machu Picchu. And he just raved about it. He talked about how, he had like a spiritual experience on it and just the whole um, endeavor itself was amazing. Like he was really proud of himself for having done it. And so then obviously naturally I went online and looked up what it would take to go do the Inca trail. And I found a tour company. I I'm pretty sure don't quote me on this, but I'm almost positive that you have to have a tour guide for the Inca trail. I was just about to ask if you did it by yourself. Unfortunately, I don't think they let you do it by yourself. 
but there, there probably are workarounds. Um, there is another trail called the Salkante, I think that is not the Inca trail, but it still pops you out in Machu Picchu and it's a little bit longer, a little bit further. But, um, that one, I don't think you need a guide for, but I'm almost positive on the Inca trail. You need a guide because it's all sacred lands. And so he was telling me about his experience, about how he's up there for four days. And I think even though he had a guide, he like was, uh, he, he was either by himself or with a friend. And he said, just said it was like the, the concept of being isolated and, and alone and doing all that stuff was amazing for him. So he raved about it. I then got online and started doing some research and I found a tour company relatively affordable. I'm curious what you think a guided trip to the Inca, to the Machu Picchu through the Inca trail would cost. Because I was surprised by the price. Today or five years ago? Yeah, I guess it's probably a little bit more expensive today. Let's go today. I would say 1500 Oh, what would you say five years ago? 1300 Yeah, you're pretty good. It was a, it was like $1,050. Like, so $1,050. Hmm. Which I was surprised by. They, you know, they carry your food. They bring your tents. They feed you. They, they inform you. They like set up your bed and everything pretty nice so a thousand dollars for four days that's like staying in a nice hotel for 250 bucks a night yeah which i guess now that i said it out loud is kind of expensive but you're getting a big experience out of this so i looked it up I, I i coordinated everything and got it all booked and then after um patagonia i flew up and i think i spent like one day in cusco cusco itself is an incredible city it's very hilly and it's got cobblestones everywhere and i did slip on these like steep cobblestone roads a couple times and, and kind of hurt myself I think I like uh, busted open my toe once, like the right before even going on the Inca Trail, which was a, a obviously a bit of a bummer. But I, the the guide company comes and picks me up, takes me to the trailhead, which I could not even come close to telling you where it is. But it was probably about an hour drive from Cusco, and I get introduced to the guide, obviously, and then there's one other guy, this younger German boy guy, young man, is hiking with me. And he was really cool. It, it was one of those situations where I was expecting it to be a group of like 10 of us, but it was literally just us three, the guide, me and him. And then the Sherpas, which were pretty essential. They're, they're pretty amazing. They're so strong and so fast. They carry all your stuff for you. Uh, like if you were to go on a hike, that's what you would want to do. Oh yeah. Well, you're my Sherpa. I'm your Sherpa, but I am no Sherpa. I can't hold a candle to these guys. They're pretty, pretty impressive physically. So we get there and start hiking. Um, this was also the first trip that I bought a camera for. I bought a Nikon D3500 for $400 from Best Buy. Use the kit lenses, which if you were to ask me nowadays, never use the kit lenses. They are the biggest piece of rubbish you could possibly get. And I was shooting in auto mode, I think, or I was like just learning how to use manual mode, but I, I didn't know it well enough. So I would just revert back to going to auto just because that's, I, I wanted to pretend like I knew what I was doing by using a nice camera, even though I was only using it in auto mode. What inspired you to buy the camera? You just wanted to take photos on the Inca trail. I think my inspiration for the camera was I, I wanted to, if you listen to the last episode, which obviously you haven't, unfortunately for you. <laughs> hasn't even aired. <laughs> um, I knew that I wanted to be, I knew that I wanted to take traveling seriously and travel to a lot of new places. And I knew that I would regret not getting nice photos. And so I was like, I need to get a camera and figure out how to use this thing. Do you ever look back on those photos? All the time. And they're awful. But can you can still appreciate but it. At the same time, too, though, I looked back on photos from another trip that I did. And I was like, these photos are so much better than the photos I take now. It's, it's so weird how I feel like I've regressed a lot in terms of like my photography ability. 
I totally disagree. But we did also talk about moving to Colorado and how that's going to spark our creativity a bit more. I sure hope so. We haven't really been taking many pictures while we've been here, though. We just moved. That's true. We're still moving in. Um, but yeah, that's why I got into photography. And honestly, if you're thinking about getting into photography, don't do it. It's an expensive hobby. Don't discourage people, it's but a, it's also a very fun hobby. You can buy lenses used. You can buy cameras used. It's a money pit. And if people are wanting to switch, like say someone's committed to Nikon or Canon and they want to switch to Sony, you could get lucky with everyone selling their gear. Just have to hold out for that. Buying used is definitely the way to go. I think I sold my last camera for like half of what it would have been brand new. So um, definitely look for those deals if you're interested in getting into it. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, well, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, but not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I brought my camera up to the Inca Trail, and I remember walking through these like big valleys, um, and there's like these old Incan ruins, and they were just like set in the most picturesque valley I've ever seen in my entire life. And, and it's just so cool because you would like literally stop and explore these um, ruins for, you know, 30, 45, 60 minutes and then just carry on. And then in an hour later, you'd see another one. And then an hour later, you'd see another one. And it was, it, 
it was cool. I, I don't think I had the same type of spiritual experience that Ben said that he had, but I was also kind of like, uh, my dopamine levels were already kind of spiked from the trip that I had just went on. So maybe that's why, but yeah, so that, so that was it. And then, like I said, this tour company, as I'm sure most tour companies are going to, they feed you every night, uh, every morning and they give you lunch and it's just so nice to not have to worry about any of that stuff. Like kind of similar to the W track where they, you would go to like a refugio and they would cook for you there. But this way it's like kind of like a traveling circus with you there's probably like five porters or something like that and they'll just be like all right we're setting up here and then they two hours later well, an hour an hour later you're eating some delicious soup and eating some peruvian food are sherpas and porters different yeah i would say porters i think it all just depends on geography i think sherpas are like maybe more asian and porters are more north and south american if i were to guess I'll fact check you. Asian African is a Sherpa. No, I don't even know. I don't want to say Africa, but mostly Asian. Like if you were to go to Nepal, it's okay. You don't need to use your phone. If you were to go to Nepal. going to fact check you. If you were to go to Nepal and do Everest, you'd have a Sherpa. You wouldn't have a porter. But if you were to say porter, you wouldn't be wrong. You would just, I think it's just a dialect thing. Hmm. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I went back and fact checked some of the things I was saying on the last podcast. And I got a lot of things wrong after listening to back to it. So I was kind of embarrassed by that. But um but yeah, there was one day there, the hiking is pretty easy. There were people of all shapes and sizes on the hike, which and was cool to see. How many miles is it? I want to say it was like 35. Okay. Could be. For four days. That's you said. another one of those things where I'm going to fact check and be like, oh, it was actually 20. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a lot. It's less than, it's less than you think. Um, but there, like I said, there were people of all shapes and sizes, people of all speeds. So like while we weren't hiking with these people, you would kind of all camp in the same area and then the next campsite would also be kind of in the same area. So you would occasionally see the same person over the course of a few days and not really interact with them much other than like the friendly nod. But there was one person in particular, I remember, who was very, very slow. And you could tell that she was like struggling a lot with it. But what was cool was by the end of the trip in Machu Picchu, I saw her again in Machu Picchu. So it's like, it's just very clear that you could, you don't have to, there are certain limitations again, obviously, but like you can make it just, it just, you're going to take a little bit longer, but you're, your pace doesn't really matter as long as you make it to the end goal. Um, I remember on the second day is the second day was the hardest day. I think there's like the most ver. I can't remember the name of this, this section of the trail, but it's pretty steep and pretty long. And I like hustled up to the top of this, um, this pass that you have to cross over and then, and then descend on the other side. And I really wanted to fly my drone. And this is back before I knew anything about drones and like where you can fly them, where you can't fly them, what's legal, what's not legal. And I don't think it was technically illegal to have flown my drone, but it was definitely frowned upon. Like it's a sacred valley. And the last thing they want is people like infecting it with noise and all that stuff. So I I jumped over the side. I, and I kind of hid myself in the bushes and I like got on my drone and I was about to fly it. And um, not like a, a marshal, like a ranger. Oh no, they didn't actually see me. Someone else, like another, I think it was another guide was like, you definitely should not fly that there. I flew it for like 30 seconds, put it back in my bag and you know gracefully left and understood and then the next morning i woke up to rangers shaking my tent like asking if i was flying a drone and of course i said yes and they're like delete all of the footage right now like you have to delete all the footage like it was a big no-no so if you're thinking about flying your drone they've even cracked down more i was gonna say this is five years ago i bet now it's way harsher yeah they've definitely at least in north america i i imagine it's got to be the same elsewhere too they've cracked down quite a bit more with the drone laws um so just be very aware of that uh you can't fire a drone in every country. Like we just went to Tanzania, couldn't even bring the drone. 
So just keep that in mind when you're doing that. But then on the last day, when you're into um, Machu Picchu, you what you do is everyone lines up on at this gate right before Machu, well, like three mile, four miles right before Machu Picchu. Um, and they can't open the gate until a certain time in the morning. And we, me and my German friends who I was hiking with and the, the guide, obviously, he was asking, he's like, yeah, like it's kind of up to you guys tomorrow. We can wander in whatever time we want, or we can be the first ones into Machu Picchu. And both of us were like excited and eager. And so we we're like, we have to be the first ones in there. So he said, okay, we're going to wake up at three. The gate opens at five. We'll get to the gate at like three 30 and just wait for an hour and a half for them to open it. And we'll be the first in line. So we wake up, we go to the gate and we are fortunately the first in line, but like within 20 minutes, it was probably a hundred people behind us. So thankfully we got there when we did, they opened the gate at five on the dot and we like sprinted the next four. We didn't sprint, but we were at least jogging for half of it, which was hard for me because I'm not an endurance guy. Um, so jogged for the last four miles and got into Machu Picchu as the sun was rising and there wasn't a soul in the park. And it was the most incredible thing because normally when you see Machu Picchu and immediately following, like once they open the main gates too, it just is crowded and so packed people everywhere, bumping shoulders. Um, but we had it all to ourselves for like 30 minutes, which was really cool. And if you have the chance to get there and do the Inca trail, I highly suggest you try and do something similar because that's an, that's an experience that you can't really replicate. Like you can go visit Machu Picchu, but being there alone is something that you kind of have to work for and earn or, somehow get incredibly lucky i guess so if you're thinking about going consider doing that it's definitely worth it um there's another thing uh, wakina pichu or something right next door too that you can like elect to hike if you want to did that and that's really cool too because it like brings you up an adjacent peak and you can look down into machu picchu and um just kind of see it from a different angle that you're not really used to seeing so that's my advice with machu picchu Afterwards, I went into the town. I think it's called Machu Picchu City, like literally right at the base of Machu Picchu. I, I've said Machu Picchu so many times. Machu Picchu, Machu Picchu. It's starting to feel like such a weird word to me now because I've said it so many times. Machu Picchu City is at the base of Machu Picchu. <laughs> and I got a hotel there just so I could like relax and enjoy the area. A I, hotel and not a hostel? Uh, it was a hotel room. I think... That's shocking for you. Yeah. I, I can't remember why, but I... I I don't know if there are hostels in that town. Maybe that's why. It, and the hotel was like 50 bucks. And so it didn't really make sense for me just to share a room. And I was stinky and just wanted to shower and lay in my bed naked kind of thing, you know. And I remember going to a restaurant in Machu Picchu City and like looking at the menu and there was guinea pig on the menu. And just out of pure curiosity, no. I, I was like, give me the guinea pig, please. And if it came out to me as like a a, a, a cutlet or like... um some sort of drumstick or something. I think I would have been fine. They literally flash fry a guinea pig and it's on your plate. And it literally looks like it could just be like a skinless or a, a hairless guinea pig, you know, but it's like it's fried and you're just expected to take a fork and knife and start cutting away into it. So you didn't eat it. I think I took a bite of it. Oh. And then they were like, if you flip it over and rip open the rib cage, you'll, you'll see the heart and you can eat oh. the heart. And that's really nutrient dense and you should eat that. Oh my gosh. I think I had two bites of it. And I was like, yeah, I'll take a, I'll take a salad, please. Uh, I'm now a vegetarian. Yeah. But I, I will say I ate alpaca that same trip in Cusco and it was delicious. That's sad. Served more in like a patty style thing. So it didn't feel like I was eating an alpaca. There's a thing, there's like a disconnect that we have with our food. We feel less guilty about eating like chicken nuggets, for instance. You would eat a chicken nugget, but you would never eat a chicken. You know? Like if they flash fried a whole chicken and expected me to cut into it. 
Yeah. Or imagine like if you just... Well, ha- we eat rotisserie chicken and that's basically just a headless chicken. That's true, I guess. But I, I just, I find it hard to picture you eating a, like a chicken, like skinning a chicken and then cooking it and then eating it. Yeah. Well, I'd only recently started eating chicken again, so yeah. that wouldn't work for me. Even a fish, like even if I were to like catch a fish, I would don't think I would have the heart to cut it up and cook yeah. it. Well, like those fancy places, or if you're abroad, they typically serve you fish as a whole entire fish, eyeball and all. Yeah. And you just have to go into it. Yeah. You hate that when the eyeballs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So just keep a lookout for those guinea pigs because they might sound tasty, but. That does not sound tasty. But it's something you got to try. Did you never have a guinea pig as a kid? No, we only had a dog. But something you got to try. I didn't want to go to Cusco and not get the guinea pig. And then like I get home and my friends are like, do you try the guinea pig? And I couldn't say, and I have to say no. But it's not like Peru is known for its guinea pig. I know, but when are you ever going to get the chance to eat a guinea to see? When are you ever going to see guinea pig on a menu? That is something that's great about you is you you'll try anything once, like pigeon. Yeah, that that was your decision to order the pigeon, wasn't it? No. And the alpaca, I will vouch for alpaca. It was delicious. You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, well, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts, but not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
in that same trip, I also journeyed out to Montañas de las Semana Colores. I actually don't remember the name of it, but it's the Rainbow Mountain, which I'm sure you've seen pictures of. Have you? Uh, I think so, yes. Rainbow. I, just the way that you said that reminded me of Bridesmaids when she's like, in las escuelas, in la biblioteca, when she's like trying to speak Spanish, but she can't. That's Not that you can't speak Spanish, wow. but, but the way that you said it was similar to her no, cadence. No, you're right. I have no idea what I'm saying. It's like the, <laughs> las montañas de colores or something like that. I'm trying my hardest here, okay? No, you're doing great. <laughs> it just reminded me of it. Um, and, oh, so I guess just to backtrack a little bit. So I took the train back from Machu Picchu City into Cusco. Because obviously I didn't end where I started because I had hiked 40 miles or however many. And so I took a train for like an hour. And then I was still like an hour, 45 minutes away from Cusco from the train station. So I had to take a cab the remainder of the time. It was like, it was more expensive than it should have been. It was like 40 bucks. On the, tra- on the taxi ride there, she would like pick other people up. And like, it was like an Uber share ride, but she would just mm-hmm. pick other people up. And she was very nice. She had a whole family. I was trying my best Spanish to like, you know, be nice and friendly to her. And then I had done prior research on how to get to Rainbow Mountain. And you can only go there with tour groups as well. At least like getting there. Cause it's like a two or how long was it? Three or four hour drive from Cusco to get to the trailhead for the Rainbow Mountains. And um, I wanted to be there alone by myself and beat everyone else there. And so I knew if I went with the tour group, they would leave later and there would be a big busload of people that would, would get there with me. So on the way to Cusco in this taxi, I asked the girl, hey, could you drive me to the Rainbow Mountains tomorrow morning at like 2 a.m.? And she like reluctantly agreed. And it was expensive that time. I think that was like 100, 120 bucks or something just for her to drive me out and then drive me back, which I guess for eight hours of driving, that's actually a really good price by American standards. But um, got to the trailhead, hiked up. It was dark for uh, who knows how long. And Rainbow Mountain's high. It's probably like 12, 13, 14,000 feet. So similar to like a mountain peak here in Colorado. And I'm hiking. It's dark. I can't see anything. I go over this pass. I'm, I'm huffing and puffing and just keep on trucking along. And like an hour or two later of hiking, I like passed by a random hiker. And I was like, hey, do you know where, donde esta las uh, montañas de colores? And he goes, ah, amigo, ahí. And he points behind me where I just came from. And I was like, oh my God, I walked past the Rainbow Mountain. I didn't even realize it. Because it was still dark? It was dark. And like I walked over this mountain pass and I was like, this might be it. And I looked around. And I was like, ah, there's no colors here. You, like whip out your phone with your flashlight? No, I should have. Did you have a headlamp? No, huh. I should have. <laughs> um, and I had, I walked past the, the, the freaking Rainbow Mountain. I was so, so mad at myself because like, I spent all this money to hire a taxi cab to bring me out there so I could be alone on the top of the mountain by myself for however long it took for people to arrive there. And I, I could have been there an hour before. Oh, you were an hour past the mountain. I walked an hour past it. I thought you were just like, just missed it. And then I had to walk an hour back. So I was two hours later than I should have Oof. been. I was so mad. And I walked back. I, I walked an hour past, but it probably took me 30 minutes to get back because I was like walking with a purpose. You know what I mean? And so I got to the summit um, or the pass, I guess you could call it again. And there was like these two older, definitely native people like making some tea or something up there. Just them two. Like they looked like they were almost like setting up a shop to like sell goods to the tourists that were visiting. And thankfully, I still had it to myself. I actually looked down past from where I started the day. And then I saw like the droves of people coming up, like, you know, dozens, hundreds of people coming up that still would have taken them like another 45 minutes. So I still had it to myself for a good 30, 45 minutes. Um, But that was a great experience. I would say if I were to do it again, like if I were to do it with you, I would probably just go with the tour company because it's I want to be alone. It's 
it's like a $20 bus ride with them or a $120 taxi ride. That's not so bad. And how long does it take you to go to the top when you don't miss it? It'll probably take 45 minutes to an hour. That's crazy. Because for the 14ers you've climbed, it takes you hours and hours and hours. Yeah, well, you're driving, you're driving up like to 12,000 feet. You're driving up pretty far. The road is pretty scary. Even the girl was like, I've never driven up here before. And it's dark. And she's like, I'm kind of scared. Like one of those one lane roads where... Yeah, one it's supposed one to be two there, and you could fall off the cliff. Yeah, there's like a big cliff on the one side, obviously no guardrail. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily advise it. Of course, if you're, if you have the means to do it, it's hundred percent worth it. But it wasn't like, you know, I guess that's not true. Cause I guess once the crowds rolled in, I got really annoyed with having people around. So I left right away. Mm-hmm. So I guess that being said, if you're kind of the similar way to me, um, get there early before everyone else does because I wasn't able to enjoy it with other people around, I guess, kind of thing. I'm curious about the drive down because that's when all the tour buses were coming in. Yeah. Probably massive. So how, like, how are you going down a technically two lane, but it's one lane road with a cliff? It's wide enough, I think. And those people are so, um, they're just like so naturally skilled at driving those scary roads, I feel Mm -hmm. like too. Like they're so, their, their awareness of their car position is so much better than Americans. We're the worst at that. Um, and also I ended, I also did like some side hikes and stuff. And so I got back down at like 10 AM and at that point, I'm sure no more buses are coming up because they're probably already going to get up, get up there by like 8 AM. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, so I did, uh, Machu Picchu and rainbow mountain. And then just before that too, I did the W check. So I think on that hike, I, on that trip, I hiked probably like a hundred miles or hundred or so miles, which was at the time, hands down the most I'd ever walked in my entire life. Look how far you've come. Yeah, I mean, I still couldn't walk 100 miles today, but I could do it. I could, I could do it eventually. It was just a lot for some, for a novice like myself, for an amateur, if you will. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say if you're going to South America and you don't have Machu Picchu on your list, put it on your list because it's amazing. There were some other things in Peru that I really wished I had done, like gone to Huacachina. I said that earlier. No, I didn't. The Huacachina, I think, is a town. It's like a town in an oasis with like these. It just beautifully picturesque um i wish i could go back and do that and there's a few other like mountains that i want to climb out there but um maybe save that for another time but yeah trip changed my life between patagonia machu picchu and rainbow mountains it was uh hands down the best trip of my life even to this day i always advise people to visit those areas if they can it's it's tricky because Machu Picchu is obviously so well known and so it's so trafficked. And so any chance you can get to like avoid being around crowded people in a typically crowded area, I would say take it. Which is kind of contradictory to what I was saying earlier about the Rainbow Mountains, but um but yeah, that's my two cents on those on those two places. Do you think after these two trips you became the dean that I know you as versus bachelor dean? Yes. That's what I kind of mentioned on the last trip. This was like a, on the last episode, it was like a turning point for me. Um, and I don't know why. I I really do think it was Patagonia that that turned turned something around in me, but I'm not really sure what specifically it was. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a good good chance. It was a long time coming because I needed to do something. You know, I I don't know. I didn't know you then, but any TV you? Yeah, and that guy sucked. <laughs> He was hot, but he was, he was a little lost. I was going through my camera roll to like figure out when I went on these trips and like what exact dates I was there. And so I would see a picture, like a selfie I took of myself like five or six years ago. And I was like, dang, that guy is hot. <laughs> like so hot. 
And then I look in the mirror and I'm like, that's, I don't even look this. I'm not, I'm not the same person. You're ridiculous. I'm serious. I look so different. Well, you're right. It's, I look so similar, but so much less attractive than I was no. back in those days. You're way too hard on yourself. It's just crazy, man. Time is a cruel mistress. <laughs> Anyways, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Next week, I will talk about something. And so I sure hope you don't miss it. Maybe Guatemala? Maybe no, Antarctica? No, I appreciate you weighing in, but I'm going to go chronologically on these trips. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Wow. And I might like, you know, two destination episodes and then like one photography episode, two destination, epi- three, maybe it'd be three into one. But yeah, I still need to figure that out. Um, if you guys have any cool names for this podcast besides the Dean Lounge, please let me know. Just slide into the DMs. Slide into, slide into the DMs. Oh, DMs. <laughs> That's not a potential name, but it's a good good play on <laughs> words there. There's a lot of with Dean, but very few that are travel worthy. That's right. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of The Dean Lounge. Please tune in next week where maybe we suck just a little bit less. I wanted to jump back in here real quick and just run over some uh, some facts about Machu Picchu. Do you have any... I'm going to ask you like questions and see if you can answer them. And obviously feel no... Um, responsibility to answer them correct because i don't think many people know these do you know what machu picchu means if you were to guess machu like macho big peak really close it was old peak yeah that's a really good job um if you were to guess how many buildings are on machu picchu or in machu picchu what would you guess i'm sorry buildings yeah like in the in the ruins i'd say like Mm, 25 yeah 150 isn't that crazy it's more than i thought (laughs) knowing nothing about it what do you think machu picchu was made for back in the days temples uh it's a sacred temple land yeah i mean that's that's pretty much what it says here on the internet it says a royal estate and a secret ceremonial center pretty smart what year do you think machu picchu was discovered in the modern world I mean, the first thing that came to my head was 1820, but I'm going to go with 1750. Mm. So pretty well-known fact, I guess, but little known unless you look it up. So maybe it's not a well-known fact. It actually wasn't discovered for a long time. It was built, uh, let's see, what year was it built? 1450 AD. So I guess that's actually more recent than I was expecting. So it's six, 575 years old, let's say, 574 years old. It was discovered... Um, most recently, how would you say this? It was discovered by white people, let's say that, because that's kind of how white people track history when we start mm-hmm. discovering things. It was discovered by a version of Christopher Columbus. Yeah, it was actually uh, Professor Hiram Bingham mm. in 1911. I'm surprised he didn't name it after himself. Just call it Bingham. Yeah, Bingham Chew. <laughs> I wonder if he like discovered it and then maybe did some more research and discovered that it already had a name Machu Picchu or something like that. But I feel like yeah. white men are so oh, narcissistic. Yeah. Uh, with a name like Hiram Bingham though, I'm wondering if he was white. Yeah, maybe not. He sounds more Indian to me. Hiram, Hiram sounds Indian. Hiram. Muslim. I don't know. So, sounds Muslim to me. Um, oh, wait. Oh, well, I was, the next one almost answered one of our questions. A longstanding dispute between Peru and Yale University, where Haram was a professor at, has existed over the artifacts collected by Bingham during his exploration of the site. 
Yale maintains that they own the items while Peru insists they were given them on loan. Mm. So it's pretty much exactly what you were just saying. Heck yeah. The guy that discovered it wants to keep the items. Well, or at least the universities belongs to. He discovered it, but like, yeah, those items are not his. They're definitely not his. And it's sacred. So like, give them back. They're definitely Peru's. I don't know who owns them now. So still Yale. I think Yale still probably has them. Yale. This is quick tangent. Sucks. Have you heard about the twin, the triplet uh, controversy? No. Story for another time. A story for pop culture, Kaylin. Sounds good. Um, did you know that Machu Picchu was also used as an observatory to look at the stars? Oh, wow. That's amazing. Were the stars beautiful? Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> oh. Uh. But I'll tell you what. I'm sure they were. I mean, like I said, Rainbow Mountain is up that 14,000 feet. You never looked up? I don't look up. Only down. <laughs> Machu Picchu is probably, it's not that high. I would, I would guess 9,000 feet for Machu Picchu. Let's, uh, I'm going to Google that real quick. 8,000 feet. What did I say? I think I probably said 9,000. You weren't listening. It's okay. No, I was. I talk so much. Sometimes I cheat myself. No, out. but Al's making noise. That I thought he was getting into something. Oh, he might be. Um, anyways, those are my Machu Picchu facts. Fun little snippets. If you ever at a dinner party and you need to tell someone about them. Haram Bingham. Haram Bingham. Haram Bingham. Haram, I don't know. Anyways, thanks. It's time to celebrate Black History Month at the Walmart Black and Unlimited Clock. On Thursday, February 29th from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., you can celebrate an extra day of Black History Month with Walmart. This event is free and open to the public at two locations, Flatiron Plaza in New York City and Ovation Hollywood in Los Angeles. With giveaways dropping every hour on the hour, it's the perfect time to try, like, and share Black-led products. It's free, it's for everyone, and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with Black-led products that are creating a new world of choices at Walmart. Trust, you don't want to miss it. Boricua is the name for someone from Puerto Rico, but it's more than a name. It's a way of life and representation of the vibrant spirit of the island. Let the Boricua spirit welcome you with a warm embrace to start each day and remind you why you travel in the first place. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. With nearly 300 beaches and 300 miles of coastline, there's always new places to explore. The island's diverse geography offers everything from secluded coves with white sand and crystalline water to stunning black sand beaches. There are spots that are perfect for water sports. You can surf, snorkel, paddleboard, or go diving. To travel to Puerto Rico, there is no passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.